0: So today we have decided that we were going to go on the topic of diving deeper into Sunday's sermons, and we thought it would be fitting to move forward into those topics. But as we started to go along, we decided that it wasn't flowing correctly, it wasn't moving um, spiritually, and we were just working off of our own power, and we decided that it wasn't what we wanted to put out. It wasn't going to be as good of content as we like and we hold you viewers at high discretion. We want to make sure that we are putting the best forward for you. So kind of fitting this holiday not to be cheesy or to be cliche, we decided to talk about Valentine's Day. And a lot of people, view few Valentine's Day is a, a lovey-dovey holiday or a holiday you have with you and your spouse or you and your boyfriend or girlfriend. But we decided that the greatest act of love or the greatest gift of love that was ever expressed was through Jesus Christ and through Him crucified, and we decided that we just wanted to talk about what love meant to us and what love through the eyes of Christianity looks like to us. Hi, I'm Bryce, and I'm ready to preach.
1: Hi, I'm Casey, and I am ready to preach.
2: Hi, I'm Mark, and I'm ready to preach. Hi, I'm Eric, and I'm ready to preach.
3: Hi, I'm Lenny, and I'm ready to preach.
0: Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity once again to gather in our studio here, God. We ask that you pour your Holy Spirit over this podcast, God. We ask that you move in a way that you haven't done before, God. We ask that you cover this with your blessing, God. We ask that you push it further than you've pushed anything else, God. We want to do this for your glory, God, not ours, God. We know that if we lift you up, you said you would draw all men to you, God, and that is our entire goal with this podcast, God. We ask that you cover it. We ask that you bless it, and we ask that you inspire someone to move like you have moved. And we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus, and we all say, Amen. 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 Welcome back, family. You have reached the Ready to Preach podcast. We are so excited to have you on today. We are back here with Casey in the studio. We got Mark in the studio, and we actually have a couple new guests today, and we we're going to let them introduce yourself. This is our first new guest. He's. We're going to let him introduce himself.
2: Hi, I'm Eric, otherwise known as Gibby as a nickname. Um, I'm 18 years old. I've been preaching for only a few months, and that's me. Lenny?
3: Hi, I'm Lenny. I'm one of the associate pastors. I also, if there's anything wrong with the, the live stream, it's probably because I haven't fixed it yet. Um, I've been preaching for probably a little over a year now, and I'm ready to preach.
0: Nice. Welcome, guys. Welcome. We are enjoying having you as a guest today in the studio, um, Lenny over the phone. So today we kind of have a basic topic. We want to dive deeper into our Sunday sermons. Uh, Lenny and I both preached. He preached a sermon, sermonette before we started, and I preached the main sermon on Sunday. Um, we kind of want to go over where these sermons came from, what we meant by them, what we wanted to kind of portray by what we said, um, and how we think it could help not only us, but everyone else that heard. So we're going to start out with Lenny. Go ahead, Lenny.
3: Uh, My topic that I preached on was loneliness. And anybody who's been in the ministry or involved in church, or actually it doesn't even have to be church-related— but i've been married for over 20 years and sometimes you get distracted and my wife had brought it to my attention that even though i'm home i'm always torn between doing stuff with my brother or doing stuff for the church because the things i'm one of the type of people if things are not right i don't like to stop until it is right or as right as i can get it but it just kind of resonated with me as far as she was bringing up how even though we're together, we're, she still feels lonely. Right. Well, and so that's where that came, and it just seemed like the Lord was speaking to me on it. It's like, hey, you know what? She's not the only person that feels this way. Right. Because kind kinda... other people
0: it kind of sounds like to me he's saying that you have obligations elsewhere, but first you have an obligation at home. Am I correct?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I believe so.
0: Well, and obviously and, um, obviously we would not be we would not be uh so silly to think that we're the only ones that have these sort of emotions, you know, and these feelings. So I think you brought up a very valid point, something that is not so popular to talk about, you know, but it's it's definitely needs to be talked about. It's like at at my job,
4: we have to this delicate delicate work life balance, right? And we gotta kind of have that outside of work, doing our work for the church as well, right? And it is definitely can be a hard balance to achieve sometimes. And sometimes you think you've got it nailed down and that's when you find out you don't always have it. Right. Nailed down as well as you thought you did.
0: Yeah, go no, ahead, I'm for that. Yeah, explain <laughs> explain further where you were coming from.
3: Well, and also just over a year ago, I had lost my dad. And even though we I believe uh in my experience that we have one of the best church families that i've ever been involved with and it's even though we have family we have friends and we have like with our church family even though all those people were there for support you still because unless people have gone through the same thing it's kind of hard to imagine or put yourself in a similar boat as them right and and then the people who have lost, it almost seems like it's a taboo subject because nobody really wants to bring it up because it just kind of rekindles some of the feelings that you had when it was fresh in your situation.
0: Right. We also don't want to discredit anybody else's circumstance or situation by saying that we know what they're going through or have felt the same thing because no one has really gone through the exact same, even if... You lost your father, and I lost my father. You know, it's to- two totally different things because of the relationship you have with them. We don't want to discredit anyone else's situation, but in the same response, we should try to be a beacon of light or a beacon of hope, uh, pointing people to Jesus, who is true comfort and true companionship. I think uh, I think it's it's hard to talk about, but in a similar sense, it's very easy to talk about because we have an experience with one who said he would never leave us comfort, our or comfortless. But he would send a comforter.
3: go ahead. I was gonna say he said that uh he wouldn't leave us or forsake us, but he'd be with us all the way, right, right.
0: Casey, you have anything to say?
1: Yeah, um, I think like we've been saying anytime that we're approaching this sort of subject of you know loneliness or loss or like you were saying, Lenny, you know, potentially being present physically but somewhere else mentally it's a really hard line to walk because like Bryce was saying you don't want to overstep you don't want to come off as ingenuine or like you're just saying something because it needs to be said like oh I know how you feel and you again like you don't always but the way that you brought it forth Lenny and what you brought forward was really great and you did it in a really really good way because you know there are people who may not know that they are not ever entirely alone. You know, even in your darkest circumstance, at the lowest point of your life, there is somebody right there next to you and I really appreciated the way that you brought that forth Sunday.
3: I think it I Yeah, think it's it, Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was I was just kind of in a train of thought and I just kind of it wasn't I guess it wasn't a whole lot to go with it. No, but go I, ahead. Bryce.
0: I, I was glad I was glad that you said what you said cuz it's not necessarily an easy thing to say to people or sometimes it's not well received because people have been through such dark traumatic situations in their life. Don't feel like they have a reason for hope, you know? And I think it was important what you said, you know?
3: Yeah. And and one thing that was kind of like really dwelling in is like the examples that we gave between like with King David Having all this military around him and all of his closest people, and still at times felt lonely. Right. right. Um, Moses having over a million people with him, but since didn't have people going through the same circumstances he did, he had nobody to relate with. So it made him feel lonely.
4: Absolutely. Yeah, I think and, even at one point he only had Aaron and her there on his side when it was during one of the battles as well. Everybody else was kind of, they don't talk about anybody else being up there with him when he's right. up there leading everything,
0: right?
3: It And honestly, sometimes it kind of feels like with God himself, he created every one of us in his image for to have a relationship with him, right? Not just a title that we put on paper or we refer to ourselves, as, but the more that we distance ourselves from him, it it makes you wonder. And if he feels the same way,
4: right, right. If he's the one up there and there's no, nobody, but one or two on his side, everybody else kind of just laying around and doing nothing. Is that what you meant, Lenny?
3: I mean, because if you think, who knows how many angels there are in heaven? I mean, we know that Jesus could have called legions of angels to come take him away from the situation. But even at that heaven, all those angels up there then happen to create us in their image. Right. So that we could have a relationship. He thought so much of us.
0: Right. It says in Psalms yeah.
3: that the angels
0: ask God, what is man that you are so mindful of him? You know, every situation, every time that we deserve punishment and didn't get it, every time that we deserve to be put to death and didn't get it. What is man that you're so mindful of him?
1: You know, I I obviously can't speak for God. Um Outside of, you know, like an inspired word, but just thinking about what you're saying, Lenny, you know, God is the creator of all. He's the creator of us, creator of angels, everything that you can think of. And I may be completely wrong in this. And if I am either cut this out of the podcast or somebody correct me real quick, but outside of, you know, angels and outside of creation, man is really the only creation that has a choice.
3: Right. When it yeah, comes whether correct. or
1: not to serve God or when it comes, you know, to love Him. And I think as somebody, you know, if everybody around you was forced to love you and forced to obey you and forced to praise you, that might be a lonely situation to be in. It would
0: be very lonely because it's not – because you know that it's not genuine. It's not true. It's not real.
1: Right. It's not something that you choose, you know. It's like – With family, you know, it's usually expected that they're going to love you. Right. And the things that they say to you, you know, oh, you're doing good, you're great at this. Yeah, that means something, but it doesn't mean the same as, you know, a stranger off the street or somebody who doesn't know you or doesn't have an obligation to feel that way towards you, coming to you and saying, you know, oh, you're doing well here or, you know, I love this about you.
0: Right. It feels different, that's for sure. When it's more natural, Mm -hmm. more, not a uh, coerced type
3: thing or expected. Now. Am I incorrect on this? But the angels and the cherubim, they were created solely to praise and to serve God. Right. And the fact that they'd never had a choice, that going back to what Casey was saying, that could very well be why he felt the need to create us because of being lonely. Right.
0: Well, I think that kind of covers Lenny's sermon pretty. Pretty well, if you got any more points on it, Mark, you can go ahead and spit them out or mainly, I just wrote down some of
4: like the points he was saying, like there is a difference between loneliness and being alone um and he's already touched on being alone in the crowd, being alone with family around doesn't necessarily mean that they're there with you. they're right. physically there with you, but they're not in the situation with you.
3: Anika. No. Now, Go ahead, Lenny. Oh, I was just going to say, bringing up like what you guys were talking about last week between the pretenders and the contenders, as far as with uh, the church Christians and what have you, the people who do the Sunday morning fake it till you make it. When you can have a congregation of that many people and still feel lonely, if everybody doesn't show that love towards you like you're supposed to receive when you go to church. Right.
4: Yeah, I got one other thing I wrote down I think is probably would be the most important takeaway from, at least for myself, out of your sermon from Sunday, was I worded it as as when you went through John 16, 32, if anyone wants to look that up themselves when they're listening to I've it. I've already
1: got it up. Oh, Because I was going to bring it up, but I didn't. Well,
4: you can read Um, it, and I can say what I say, and then you can go there.
1: It reads, Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered. Every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me.
4: So what I wrote down, I paraphrased it myself, was if the Father, or in this case, if God is with you, it doesn't matter if you're the only one sitting there, or if there's a hundred people sitting there, or if there's a thousand people sitting there. If God is one of those that's there with you, you're not alone, no matter whether you think it or feel it. Right. If God be
0: for us, who can be against us?
1: Yeah, that's all I had written for that one, too, is you are not alone, and then the verse. So
0: (laughs) You're not alone. I I wrote and underlined every single one. (laughs) I think think with people, a lot of the times, the um, the biggest reason why they feel loneliness or think that they're alone is because they don't know that they aren't alone. If they're Christians, they don't know that. Obviously, if they're not Christians— loneliness is probably an acquired feeling for someone who's not a christian because they have no comfort, they have no guide, they have no leader, no one to follow after in some in some ways, you know. And I'm sure that it would probably be easy to feel alone if you're not a christian, but if you're a christian and you feel alone, the difference between being alone and having that alone mindset is knowing that you're not alone.
1: Absolutely.
0: And I'm pretty sure that was very important of what you said, Lenny, it was well received by all of us even if you didn't think it was.
1: I think you
3: did
0: I took awesome. notes I took plenty of notes. You show went longer. I'd have had a lot more notes
3: <laughs>
4: and the other one
3: i don't even I don't even know how long it was
1: long not enough because you got your yeah. point across and two- it was good.
4: Yeah. exactly the hey, n- only other it wasn't the
3: normal few minutes. Th-
4: no, it was not. <laughs> it went longer than that. but <laughs> the other key thing that I po- wrote down that you pointed out where there right at the end was that Jesus
0: experienced everything that we went through so it could be applied. To the cross. And we know that the greatest example of love ever shown was that example on the cross. And that brings us to our next topic, which is kind of a fitting topic for today. We know that it's Valentine's Day today, and we want to kind of express how we feel, what love means, and why we should have love, and who we should give love to. Casey, I'm going to ask you a question. What, in your personal definition, do you feel like love is?
1: I think love, in not even just a physical sense, but in a way that we can comprehend, you know, between interpersonal relationships, comes down to the willingness to be beside somebody regardless of what they're going through, where they are, Um, and sometimes even the way that they've been to you. Um, If you truly love somebody, they may do something that is unfitting or they may do something that hurts your feelings, but at the end of the day, love should trump all.
2: Gib, what do you think that love means? I'm with Casey. I think it's standing with someone even when you don't necessarily have to, but you feel it's right to because you have such a strong feeling for them.
0: Well, just going off of what Mark had previously said about applying things to the cross, we know that our example and a great example of love is Jesus Christ doing something that he didn't have to do. But he did it anyways. But he did it anyways. That's That's a good point there, Gibby. We need to do things purposefully towards people to show them love, Mark. And we know he didn't want
4: to because he even said, If, it if be, there be any way, right, let this cup pass from me. And he, but sweat, nevertheless,
0: right, he sweat great drops of blood in that same situation. He said, If it be not your will, Lord, let this cup pass from me, but not my will be done, but your will be done. And I think
1: expounding on that, sometimes love is knowing that you're not the most important person in the equation.
0: Booyah, right there. I think love is a lifestyle in which we should act on Christ's behalf to extend God's love to everyone around us. And to me,
4: another good thing of that is, I don't know if it was when he was with DC Talk or if it came separately with Newsboys, um, but they had a song. Love is a verb. So to me, it's, it's also it's action. It's doing something. It's not... Sedentary. It's a not staying just still. Exactly. Because right. does Casey want to give my quote about feelings?
1: Feelings are not Lord. God is.
4: <laughs> so it's it's active, it's moving, it's purposeful, yep. It's with intent and it's not on accident. You know, right. we
1: hear a lot that it's better felt than told, and Absolutely. that's usually referring to, you know, the Spirit moving in a church service, but in the same way...
4: It doesn't have to be. It can be everything.
1: Right. I can say that I love you all I want, but if I never show that to you... Oh, that was more of like a general statement, Mark, not really directed at anybody in the room. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, you know, if you never show love despite what you say, it doesn't mean much.
0: I think, personally, now I'm going to go around the room and get a yes or no answer from all of you, but I think love is a key attribute if not the a key attribute the key attribute of christianity if you don't have love as the basis of your foundation for christianity i don't think you can be a christian
3: i
1: absolutely 100% agree
0: i second that i agree on that as well
4: and uh, it's also it's not always an easy thing Because we see it through our natural, through our eyes, that maybe this person's easy to love because of how we feel they look and how they act towards us. Right. But someone that maybe is a little rough on us, a little um, maybe disagreeing with us and all sorts of things, it's harder to. But then— you take it back to the cross, it was God showing love to the people who didn't deserve to the ones that were attacking him and right. that were denying him and that were putting themselves first, yeah, instead
0: of putting him first. And we talked about this last week. Um the Bible says, I don't I believe it's in John, um, and by this you shall know that you are my disciples, the love you have one, one to, to another. another. Um, and we talked about it's the, we're giving everyone the opportunity to judge us by how much we love one another. And I feel like if you love somebody, someone looking should be able to tell. And it says here in John, our 1 John 4 8, he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. If you don't have love at the basis of your crea- our Christianity, and not just, Love as an emotion or love as a feeling or love as a fling, love as a foundation from which you build everything else off of, I don't think you can become be, be a Christian. Seeing
4: this one verse here, because I pulled up some verses about love. Um, this is going to steal from one of my future sermons. Yeah. But it's going to be far enough down the road that, again, I'll be good. Yeah. First um, Peter 4, 4 and 8. Says above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude, multitude of sins. Of sins, right? And my take on that is, what is Jesus's blood then? Blood is the love, and it covered everything. Everything, right? So then, my take off from there is, you notice also what was covered under the blood was not held against them. Right. Right. So. Sometimes we get this little twisted view of love because we like to hold grudges. Absolutely. And someone who deserved to hold a grudge didn't. Held none. Right. So if we say we love somebody, what business do
0: we have bringing up the things they used to do? So I have a question here for all of you. Has anyone in this room ever heard the the statement, love the sinner, not the sin? Yep. Casey? I have. Gibby? I've used it. (laughs) Yeah. So here's the further point of this question. How is it
2: possible? How can you love the sinner and not the sin? You do what Jesus does and you don't look at their sin.
1: I think even beyond that, you know, we've spoken about all of the positive attributes of love, how it feels, how it's standing by somebody. But love, and we touched on this last week a little bit too, I think love will also correct. Yeah. You know, if you don't love somebody, you're not going to care what's going on, whether or not th- what their eternal destination is. Yeah. Loving the sinner sometimes also means stepping out and speaking to them and saying, you know, what you're doing is not right. And you have to do that in love. Otherwise, it's not going to be well received.
0: No.
4: We're loving the other people, especially the ones, like in this case with that phrase, love the sinner, not the sin, sin, we're not approving of what they do. Right. But it's been pointed out before, no matter whether they are saved or a sinner, they're God's child as well. So he
0: died for them as well. Here's one thing that I'd like to put on top of that. We don't have the position to condone what they're doing. Because we were just as bad, if not worse. Well, that's the first part of it. But we also don't have the ability to condemn them either. Or the authority. We don't have the ability, the authority, the availability. We can't possibly do it. So it's a lot easier with that mindset to know that you can love somebody even in a bad situation. And like Casey said, your love will be the thing that corrects them, helps them move forward. No one's ever moved off of hatred. No one's ever moved off of force. And if you were forced to do something, once the fear is gone from that force, then the action behind that is gone as well.
1: You know, just the same topic, you know, love the sinner, not the sin. To bring it to a more, you know, worldly or I guess fleshly example, if we all have somebody in our lives that, you know, you would say you love unconditionally. I know, Mark, you have children, Bryce, I'm sure there's people in your life. Yeah. Um, If they did something that you didn't approve of, would that, well, I know that Gibby doesn't have children or a wife, so we're in the same boat here, but we have people like that too. But if they were to do something, you know, that you didn't approve of or something that, you know, hurt you, that wouldn't change the love that you have for them, would it?
0: Absolutely not.
1: So I think that's a worldly example of love the sin or not the sin. Just because of what they've done doesn't mean that you don't love them any longer.
4: And even then, the ones that kind of go astray, if you look at it, I guess I want to say kind of from God's point of view, even then it's not him loving them any less. It's more disappointment in the choice they made. And just like with a parent, he will remind you, Hey, this is what I've told you to do. We can forget about all this. You just have to come and you just have to do this. And then that rest, I don't see it anymore. It's gone.
2: Well, if you think about the way it's actually said, it's not talking about hating the things they do. It's, no. talking about loving the things that they do, like bringing yourself into sin. Like you're not supposed to love what they do too, but you're supposed to love them because loving the sinner and not loving their sin, that means you'd be glorifying what they do wrong instead of you know, helping, them do, helping right. them do right. Right.
1: We were touching on earlier, excuse me, I don't know why my voice is trying to go on me. Um, Bryce asked if we think that love is the most basic thing that we need as a Christian. Without it, we can't be. And I was going to save this for my favorite verse later, but 1 Corinthians 13, just to summarize, it says, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And it goes on with more examples like that. And we learn that charity is the same as love. It's another word, a synonym for it. So whatever you do, even if it be great, even if you're speaking in tongues, even if you're moving mountains by faith, if you do it without love, it's worthless, is what I think these verses are
4: saying. I would have to agree, because it's it's still, it's the intent. It's still, it's purposeful, right? And well, your motivation is going to be one way or the other. Your motivation is either to be just seen doing the works. Are they just seeing somebody that wants to do these things just be seen? Right. Are they seeing somebody do these things... Out of their heart and know that it's not necessarily bettering themselves. It is honestly helpful to someone else. So I got
0: a question here for you guys. It says, How can you be sure that you actually love somebody? I'm gonna let Mark answer that first. Why we well, gotta pick on me? <laughs> <laughs> How can you be sure
4: that you really so- love somebody else? Is that yeah. what I said it? I think it's more of, I know Stacy likes to say this all the time, of not kind of really being able to imagine there being anyone else. Right. <clears throat> to the point that sometimes we probably take that to, for granted. Right. But it's, you can't see any other situation
0: than the one with those, those people that are around. Right. I think personally you don't have to tell somebody you love them for them to know that you love them. Um, Your actions will speak louder than your words. It is a cliche saying, I know, but it's very true. You don't have to, you know, say it over and over and over again. I feel like if you have to do that, a lot of people I see on Facebook, you know, it being Valentine's, they're all over. This is my Valentine. I love them, you know, this, that, and the other. But a lot of the times you see those people that don't really say anything that have, amazing relationships and they don't have to go out there and explain it to the world because the one that they actually love knows it, knows it. And
4: the, you look back at those ones that put all that, this is, this is my baby. I love them, this. Is my Valentine. And you look at every other A post before that. Right. And it's like, are we talking about the same person here or someone else <laughs> writing this message? You didn't really put this out on your phone. Someone right. else had your phone and was writing this. Right. Right. Because it doesn't line up with, the verse one day out of the year.
1: Well, and touching on Bryce's question, how do you know if you really love somebody? I'm going to circle back around to my initial answer to what is love. I think that if you picture this one specific person or just anybody in general, and you would want them next to you in your life, regardless of where you are, regardless if you're low or if you're high or the situation, if you can't feasibly see a part of your life or an area where you are, where you don't want them there with you. I think that would be love to me.
0: And I think there should be evidence all over your life of their love towards you, your love towards them. And just stemming back to the personal relationship with God, I want to reel it back into more of a Christian topic. Do you think God loves one thing more than he loves another? One thing or one person? One thing. One thing. if he did it would i would say obedience yeah i don't think he personally loves one one yeah one person or one thing more than the other i know there's no sin greater than another sin so i don't think there's i don't think he could possibly have any more love for one thing say a person there's no way he could love someone else more than another because he did the ultimate for all of them for every single one of them
1: And I think that's such a hard thing for people to grasp.
0: We can't comprehend it.
1: You know, like we were speaking on the physical side, we have a hard time comprehending unconditional love. You know, somebody does something to us and we react to that in the way that we feel, the same way we can't comprehend the way that God loves everyone and everything unconditionally.
0: Gibby, do you have any thoughts on that? Not really. (laughs) All right, that's all the questions I kind of had for today. Does anybody else have any questions? I got a few I came up with during the week. I guess we'll start off right at the top. What do you feel our job is as a pastor? As our pastor, I feel like the first thing we should do is kind of emit or persuade people to want to go towards Jesus, but we should also do it in truth And we should also do it in love with a biblical background. I think as a pastor, it is important to do things with love. I just said earlier, you know, about love being the full foundation of our Christianity. Um, Without Christ's love for us, we wouldn't have Christianity at all. So I think we should do love, and I think we should go with truth, and I think it should be biblical.
1: I agree with that 100%. You know, Jesus is often referred to as the Good Shepherd, and went, oh my goodness. Whenever you're speaking about the pastor of a congregation, he is their shepherd. So I think, in a lot of ways, you know, not that any of us are ever going to be as good as Jesus or even good in comparison. We should try to take that same mentality. You know, we talked about Jesus' love, the things that he did for others, the way that he brought others in. I know that it might seem corny that we're really sticking on this thing for love on a Valentine's Day recording, but it really is the basis of all things.
0: Absolutely.
2: Gibby? Well, I feel like we really have have one job, but it takes multiple jobs to do our one job. Absolutely. Like, well, one of the main things is as pastors, we have to be a prime example of what a Christian should look like. The way we live our lives and a lot of times we're told if we preach a certain kind of sermon we're gonna have to live it the next week or sometimes right. the week before which i found out but our main goal not our not necessarily our job but our main goal is to see another soul saved and go into heaven right so but i feel like it takes multiple multiple things to get that one goal which in I don't know how to explain it, but a lot of times we're told that the people that are in our congregation, their hand or their lives are in our hands and it's a delicate thing that you have to be careful with your what you're saying and you gotta make sure that you're living what you're preaching. Right. To, you know, conquer that one true job that we have.
4: Yeah, and it's to be careful, not be to be careful as in, oh, I wanna say a certain thing a certain way and that's the only way I'm gonna do it. Not careful like that, not like you're taking God out the equation. Yeah. But that you're being purposeful with your intent. Precise. Precise mm-hmm. with the way you're portraying what the Bible says. And you're yep. always backing it up with scriptures. Yeah. You're not trying to say it's only what what you think. It's what you know, it's what you've read, it's what you study. Like I always say, you know, read what we're whatever we go, write it down and read it. Right. You know, because you can kind of see where we come from, but then you can kind of get your own, I guess, flavor of what it is. Right.
1: You know, Gibby just said something that really sparked a thought for me that's not necessarily on the same line of where we're going, but it does make sense. He says, being a pastor is more than just one job. It's a lot of things. And I think as a leader, as a pastor of a congregation, you also have to know that you have to be willing to fill those other spots where needed.
0: Absolutely. You Mm -hmm. know,
1: we all do preach. We all are associate pastors, but we all have other roles that we have to fill, too. Yep. Um, Mark is a morning Sunday school teacher, and he does a phenomenal job at it. He also is on the worship team and the band. Bryce is an awesome member of the adult Sunday school class.
4: He number contra- one Sunday school student, if I didn't say so uh, in our app last week, <laughs> by the way. I
1: hope that I'm at least number two then. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I it's fine. He also plays drum in the ba- drums in the bands. you know. We established last week, we talked about I'm a worship leader here in Bangor, where Riley is also an associate pastor and the worship leader in Eau Claire. Eric is one of the greatest pianists I have the pleasure of knowing. I knew that. and Yes. (laughs) Um, He does an excellent job. And even beyond that, you know, we've all seen your father fill different roles too, whether it was because we needed a bassist in the band or if we needed a Sunday school teacher for a younger kid's class. It's knowing that just because you are in charge or you are the leader, you still have to be able to, willing to, and have the knowledge to go in and fill other roles as needed.
0: See, I think that is the biggest, hardest case of evidence to know whether someone's a true pastor or not, whether they're willing to fill those gaps that some people really don't want to do. A lot of the people don't know, but dad is pastor he has taken on the role of the bassist when we needed a bassist on either Sunday morning or Sunday night. But a lot of people don't know he's the janitor on Sunday morning. Exactly. He's taking out the trash. He's sweeping the floors, you know. And he said this before, and it kind of has stuck with me. He said, it. He said I'm more in it for the outcome than the income. He said, this, this isn't a job. I have a job. He said, I work a 40-hour week. He said, I have a job. I don't need a job. This is not what I do, do this for. I want to see souls saved. Like Gibby said earlier, that should be our main goal on the basis of whatever we do. We should want to make people or want to persuade people. We can't make them. We want to persuade people to move forward in their walk with Christ. We should never make people want to have this perception of us that they don't want to go forward. They don't want to be like us because we do this, and they don't want to do that because we're portraying something that we're not. We want to be genuine about this. We want to have good intentions for people.
2: We shouldn't want to do this for what we can get out of it. One of our other most important jobs is to, once we get people saved and coming to church and not necessarily that we do it, but they decide that that's the uh, the path they want to take and they want to do better for themselves. So we have to make sure that we can do our best to keep feeding them, to make them keep wanting, wanting more of God's word. And like Robert Sibley was talking about it the other day, he said, you know, I've come to church my whole life, but I feel like the first, you know, however long it's been that he came till he started, you know, really getting involved, he just felt like he was stagnant. But it's our goal to keep people wanting more, you know, not necessarily for us to do it, but for the glory of God. Right. We don't want to. We don't want people to want more of God because of what we do. We want people to want more of God because, because of, of who what God he is. Does right. Right. And who He is. Because of what
4: we show, God is. Because of us portraying Him in the way that lines up Correct. with what's written down. Because. Just because my name's Mark, I did not write one of those books in the gospel. Right. Just, just put that out there. Right. <laughs> but even then, it's not their words. It's been said many times, it's the inspired word of God that he led them to write down. Right. So they're ju- they're just putting down what God put in their heart. Right. It's still his words, no matter who was holding the pen at the time.
2: So basically the point is... We don't want to keep them on milk forever. Eventually, we exactly. want to lead them to meat. Right.
0: Mark, you had any more questions? Oh, yeah. I got a couple more. Let's hear it. Next one is,
4: what is your favorite verse? You don't have to give me a why if you don't. I thought about putting a why
0: in there, but you don't have to. Well, I'll I'll give you my favorite verse, and I'll give you the why as well. If you don't All right. Showing everyone why I'm the teacher's pet in Sunday school class. <laughs> I'm listening. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all his righteousness, and all these things should be added unto you. So that's my favorite verse, and here's why. I learned earlier in my life that if you submit yourself fully to what God has and fully to his righteousness and go after what he wants you to have, you will not necessarily get what you want, but you will get what he has planned for you and your wants and desires will change to what he wants from you. Casey? Well, I think you just kind of laid down the gauntlet. I think now she has to say why. Well, she,
2: she can expound. <laughs> expi- I got my wife. You so know, she can expound wife? on
0: that.
1: If I'm ever going to live up to my uh, secondary choice for teacher's pet in Sunday morning.
0: <laughs> well, let me, let me ask you a question. <laughs> do you think, and not this can be a question for all of you, do you think if you seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness that your wants and your desires the things that will be added unto you will be changed from you what you wanted before
1: Absolutely um I think that whenever you are shooting for the right goal looking at the right target you right. know you're going to start behaving differently you're going to start wanting things differently whenever you're thinking in yourself you know you want things that are good for you Right whenever you're thinking Towards what we know is the ultimate goal and what we know is the right way to be going, you're going to want things that even though they may seem like they're not fun or great in the moment, you know that it's going to be best for your eternal achievements.
2: Yeah. Anything else? That Casey kind of was getting there. So I don't think where, she gave her verse yet, though. Well, we're, we're, talking yeah. Yeah. we're talking about verse. We're, we're Bryce. Verse. talking about Bryce's Yeah, let's verse. talk okay. about it. Well, she was, it was like, it kind of reminded me of what Riley said. You don't get in the shower clean where she was going with that. Some, I picked that up somewhere. I just kind of drifted off there for a second though, but you want to change. You should want to change. You shouldn't, you know, right. try to change. Before once you get you into,
0: once you get into the relationship with Jesus Christ, your wants and your desires are definitely going to be different.
2: 100%. All right, Casey.
0: All right, Casey, let's hear your verse.
2: So
1: I feel like mine actually kind of coincides with Bryce's, just on a slightly different note. My favorite favorite verse, oh my goodness, I can't speak today. I'm so sorry to everybody listening. My favorite verse is 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, and that reads, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities than the power, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And just for a little bit of context for anybody who isn't familiar with it, this is a passage where um, Paul is writing about how he has this issue of thorn in his flesh, and he's asked God to take it from him three separate times, and the Lord's answer unto him was, you don't have to worry about taking it away yourself, you don't have to worry about asking for it to go away, because even in the places where you're imperfect, my grace is still enough, and where you're imperfect, my power is made its best.
0: I think that's a very important lesson to learn for someone who feels like their weakness is a weakness. But if you listen to this scripture and read it and read it in its entirety, your weakness is a perfect platform for Jesus or God to build his perfect strength. And he says, I don't I'm not sorrowful in this weakness anymore, but rather I glorify this weakness because I know that if Christ's strength be rest upon me, that's the only strength I need. Our weaknesses are just another opportunity to show God.
4: Absolutely. That's all it is. As soon as, you know, because Paul took himself out of the way, obviously he heard no three times. He stopped asking. Right. Started trusting and let God do what he was going to do. Absolutely. And it worked from there.
2: Yeah. You got anything to say, Gib? Just my favorite verse. Okay, <laughs> go on, Gibby. What's your favorite verse? Uh, my well, my favorite chapter, I guess, it's Psalms twenty-three, because David is my favorite character in the Bible, and it's basically his prayer. And it's when I read it, I all I can think about is no matter where I'm at, no matter how far I've gone, God is still there with me, right? Basically, and he's you know he's with me through everything I go through. And everywhere I've been, basically.
0: So, so what's your favorite
2: verse? Uh, number I know, four. We got your chapter. Let's hear the verse. It's, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff shall comfort me. Basically, like I said already, because he's with me and I know he's with me.
0: There's no place where you can go where he can't find you. Mm-hmm. He's not with you. You want to expand on that, Casey? Is that all you got?
1: I think he pretty well covered it.
0: That's mm-hmm. an easy one. Yeah, that's one that doesn't need a whole lot of extra
4: explanation. explanation All you gotta to it. do
2: is basically read it. Just to understand read it, and you're good. Yep.
1: Say so sometimes the most simple ways of putting things are the, the best. best.
2: And it probably sounds like I just pulled one up because I knew the question, but I really do like that one a lot. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right, Mark, let's hear yours. Well, like I was telling
4: when we when we were talking about this off the the broadcast, I had a previous favorite one um, for a long time. And I always would see it, like, at people's house. It would be, like, on their front door would just be the verse, just, the you know, it said Joshua 24, 15. And I'll read that one before I get on to my actual, my new favorite verse. Okay. This is where he's talking to the Israelites after he's taken over from Moses, and they've all went through... 40 years. The 40 years, and yep. getting into the Promised Land, yep. and all the other things they've seen. And they're basically already going and turning back away from God. from God. Yep. And so he does this whole long speech about what God has done for them, and it culminates in, oh, us scrolled way down. Where was it at? 24, 15. There it is. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the God your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood for the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So basically, you know, it's like not only did the people that served those other gods die, those fake gods were dead before the flood as well. Right. And reminded them that everything they'd been brought out of. Right. But through some of those things I've been studying here in the past few months, well, probably more than a few months, even, my new favorite one. I think they were kind of laughing, uh, is the first verse in the Bible, Genesis 1-1. Yeah. And it's, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the, to me, the most important thing is, no matter what else you believe, if you can't believe that one verse, the rest doesn't matter. It don't matter. Because
0: if, you're, if you can't believe that, you can't believe he did what he said and the rest of it. Absolutely, I think that's big too. Because a lot of people, like you say, have these verses, these cliche scriptures on the on their houses, and uh, you know, uh, love is Facebook patient. Profiles. Yep, <laughs> love is patient. Love is kind. Galatians uh, six twenty four, and all these other sayings. But if you can't get on the basis of Christianity that God created the heavens and the earth, He created all that is within them. He is the reason for all this. You may as well take the scriptures down.
4: That's like, you know, like I said, when we were talking earlier about um, why people don't want to believe in God is because that very first thing is you believe in him, you give him control of everything. Right. If you don't believe in him, you're free to kind of do whatever you feel like. Right. Except for you're not actually free. No, you're not actually, you're just (laughs) deceiving yourself. Right. Next question, Mark. Oh, I guess I was the last one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next question might be a little touchy. Why do people view the church and Christianity the way that they do?
1: We're going to be cycling right back around to our original topic. Yep. Be in love.
2: <laughs> Go for it, Casey. Um,
1: I feel like the reason why the church has the the reputation that it does is because, you know, we talked about earlier, we've essentially given the world the right to judge us by our love for one another. and based on how people feel about us as a church as a whole, we're failing at that.
0: Gibby, go ahead and explain.
2: Can you ask it again?
0: Why do people feel the way they do
4: about the church and Christianity as a whole?
2: Well, because a lot of churches have put this big thing on how to be saved. You got to do 95 jumping jacks and 14 push-ups and jump through four never make it. 14 hula hoops.
4: <laughs> I could maybe do the 95 jumping jacks, but once you start getting none of the others,
2: I think... Mark, I... we're in church. You better just be honest. <laughs> oh, the jumping jacks are easy. It's just I'm going to sit down afterwards. You got to do like... the jumping part too, Mark.
1: I oh, was so do we get a break between each of <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
2: Well, but a lot of people have just looked at Christianity as I can't go out and have fun with my friends no more, or I can't do this, or they look at it as it's just a thing people do on Sunday because I've heard it said by Kevin Wallace... That said, he said, um, if the Holy Ghost left the church, 95% of what was happening would keep happening. Right. That way, people have just put it in as a routine thing that people do to get themselves to heaven and not something that it actually is as of the salvation of your whole life, you know? So I just typed
0: in to Google why do people hate Christians? Number one, moral integrity sometimes annoys people. That would be a good reason why someone would not like Christians. That's a good thing to have. Yeah. A bad a bad reason? Christians can be judgmental. Mm. One huge thing that we see from people is we're trying to cast judgment where it's not our place. Number 3 is a, it's a good reason for people not to like you. Contentment and confidence sometimes make people uneasy. If you're confident in your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that's a good reason for people not to like you, especially if they're not along the same lines to start with. Here's a bad reason for people not to like Christians: Christians can be weird.
1: We've got proof of that sitting in the room.
0: Absolutely, with the blue stripe on the mic <laughs> it says we have a tendency to be weird. We have our own language and lingo. We have our own music, our own movies. Why? Are, why isn't everyone else very good? Why isn't everybody else's stuff good? And we become isolated from the rest of the world. We try to set ourselves up sometimes to be higher or better or do better things or greater than other people. And that's just stupid. I remember where it says, for all have sinned. So if
4: it's an, one of those all statements, that means that was everybody. <laughs> so that means if you screwed up, guess what? I screwed up too.
0: Probably worse. To
4: Most be quite likely honest. worse.
2: Well, we, a lot of people think that since it's been covered in the blood, that it's not them anymore. Which it's not in God's eyes. But you can't make yourself to be a higher person because I'm forgiven and you haven't asked for forgiveness.
0: Right. It's not even what. It's not what we did. It's what he did. Bad reason. Christian can act hatefully. Standing up for what's good and true. In society is noble. Shouting and insulting, holding up signs, graphic images, not good. Standing up for what you think is right is is fine, I believe. To do it and to act as if you're better or higher than somebody else, I think that crosses the line.
4: Yeah, because it's, it's not our, these aren't our words. That's, we didn't, like I said, we didn't write these down so we don't have a say over which ones we like and which ones we don't like yeah they're
0: all there for a reason Here, here's a good here's a good quote from this it says we ought to agree with the unbelieving world where we feel compelled by scripture and um, conscience in some cases we should disagree very strongly and unequivocally but the message that we should permeate in every disagreement is I love you even though you don't even though I think you're deeply wrong
1: absolutely and you know talking about standing up for things that you believe in or what you think is right there's a way to do that without being foolish about it too
0: without love we are no better than the ones who are doing these evil things you know whatever that may be or however you disagree with them without love towards them you are just as wrong
3: mm-hmm.
0: yeah
4: that's that tinkling breast of uh, a absolute old brother Paul
0: there you know it's just it's
4: it's hollow and empty without the right thing behind it
0: right. The best reason why people should dislike a Christian or dislike you is because we love our God way too much. (laughs) I like that list. I do too. I feel like it was important to share.
3: Yeah.
4: Okay, and the next question I have for that kind of goes along with almost a part B to that, is if you could say one thing to a person who has a negative preconceived idea or notion about the church and Christianity— What would it be?
0: So to be quite honest, I wouldn't say anything at all to them. Not that I don't want to speak to them, but I would rather show them why they're wrong instead of tell them why they're wrong. I would rather be the bigger person, you know, in the situation and say, come along and find out for yourself. Casey?
1: I would agree with Bryce. You know, you definitely, actions speak louder than words. We've already said that tonight but I would also encourage them to do their research. Um, Don't allow your preconceived notion or a bias that you already have to determine how you feel about it for the rest of your life. You never know if you don't try.
2: Gimme,
4: what do you got for that?
2: Ask me the question again.
4: If you could say one thing to somebody that has a negative preconceived idea or notion about the church or Christianity,
2: what would it be? That's a hard question because Bryce kind of stole my answer and Casey kinda stole it too. But it's kinda sad Welcome to our world. (laughs) (laughs) It's kinda sad that the there has been that kind of look upon the church because, you know, somebody's obviously had to cause that. But I don't know. It'd just be the not all churches are the same type of deal. Where I would be like, You you don't know exactly how my church goes, you know, my church is Different, I know it's different because I've been to other churches. I've seen things that happen in other churches, so I just have to be with Bryce and say, "Come on and find out." I guess. Pretty good one. Pretty good one. I would probably say,
4: if I had to say anything to them, other than the general, you know invite them to see what's different about right. ours or another one that is in the er- their area is. A lot of times, our preconceived notions aren't even from our own personal experience. Absolutely. It's from what someone else has, has told, told us. us. Yep. So, I would, the one thing I'd probably say is, did you come up with that idea based on your own experience or from what you heard from somebody else? Because they can be wrong. Yeah. And if it's from your own experience, it could be you just went to a bad place. Right. But if the response is that, They heard it from somebody else or, oh, everyone knows that. They always say that's what happens, right? Find out for yourself. Absolutely.
1: I think going on what you said, if it is somebody who has had a really poor experience with a church or with a Christian or anything in that regard, another thing that we could say, and it might seem silly, is, you know, I'm sorry.
4: You Yeah, exactly. Apologize
2: for what someone else may have heard. It's
4: not personally our fault, but it is the church's fault. Right. We've let too much stuff
0: go for too many years that... And we haven't stood up for what is right. We've well, just allowed Allowed people to be stomped
2: on with people also the Word to, of God. People uh, know the understanding between a Christian and then a true follower of Christ, because there's people that walk around with the title of Christian that are all holy on Sunday, but aren't the same person on Monday, and they walk around, kind of like our play, our Christmas play we did where you know we weren't the same people that we were in church and it was really for a bad look on us right but not not for like us but um it's just kind of the thing that a lot of people walk around with their heads held up high that I'm a Christian you know and they they get judgmental and do all that stuff that caused the hurt in other people's lives when they're just really trying to find out to, how to do what's really the best for their life by following Christ
4: and i think sometimes these people that are very very vocal about it. They're really just asking for someone to show them something different. Yeah. It's not so much that they're dead set against it. They're waiting for the, to say that to somebody that's going to say, "Well, Prove let me wrong. show you something different." Absolutely. It's kind of
2: like they're looking for the attention. It's like a cry out yeah, for right. help almost.
4: More the help than the attention because yeah. it's it's if most of the people they talk to kind of leave it there and never take it any further. You're just reinforcing the ideas that they've had either themselves or that they've heard. But if you can give them an alternative, then you might be onto something there for them.
0: And I think just to go along with that, we need to have the thought in our mind that some people just aren't going to change. Some people are just nasty and hateful and that's what they want to do, and if you show love to them and show respect to them and show them that there is something different and they decline that, we're not called to debate. We're called to lead people to Christ. Yeah, and
2: like your part's done at that point. Cause right. it, sometimes some people you just can't persuade, I guess, to say, you know, you've tried everything you can do. You know, you've invited them, you've told them about God and how it should really be. And then they just still deny what they know is to be true. So they just sit there in denial.
1: I think in the same vein is that sometimes the person who plants the seed doesn't always see the harvest.
0: Right, Ooh. right. You know,
1: it may be something that you said and something that you started, maybe you initiated something in them and you may not be there to see the end result of it, but you were still a part of the reason why their growth happened.
4: I like sometimes the, I, I guess I wouldn't necessarily call them debates, but just discussions with people because... I know enough, and not even necessarily Bible-wise, so if they want to take that out of the equation, I can prove my point without it, and then I can reinforce it with it once they're willing to actually listen to that. They want to get me on some of the the little facts and things that they like to throw out there. It's like, okay, I can play that game. I've got some of those same ones for you from the same people you're bringing it up with, and if you can't argue with them... (laughs)
1: Laying out facts is different than arguing. Yes, right. Um, Circling back to the topic of what you would say to somebody who has a preconceived negative notion about Christianity or the church, sometimes people, maybe they don't realize it, maybe they don't want to think about it because it would mean they have to reconsider their stance. But something that I would like to sometimes lay out whenever I have these conversations is, one, I'm sorry that you've been hurt. But two, it wasn't Christ that hurt you; no. it was people.
2: Good right. one, home run on that one. Yeah, Casey.
0: God, God didn't do this to me. Men did. People did. You know, you can't move forward on a thought of hating somebody that didn't do anything to you. It doesn't make sense. It's pretty crazy to be quite honest. And I think just to add along with what Casey has just said talking about laying out facts for people. Um, Just like in Acts chapter 26, when Paul was met with the King Agrippa, he said, then Agrippa said unto Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. You can lay out every single thing you know about Christianity, every fact, every reason it's good in front of somebody. And if they don't want to be a Christian, you can't force them to be. All you can do is lay it out in front of them and hope that the Holy Spirit will do the rest.
1: Thank you for joining us for another episode of Ready to Preach. We hope that something that has been said today will aid you in your journey both in Christianity and in the pursuit of becoming ready to preach. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please reach out to us on our Facebook page, Redemption Church, and share us with your friends. If you have any questions for us or topics you would like for us to discuss, we can be reached through the Facebook's direct message or in the comments section of our posts about the podcast. We look forward to you tuning in next week.